0: Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my webpage at dr-history.com for over 440 true stories of the Old West. Also, now available on Amazon, my first book, a historical fiction based on true events, entitled Coal Miner to Cowboy. The story of a young man born in England in 1850. He wants to be a cowboy and makes his way to America, travels from New Orleans to Independence on a steamboat, hires on as a teamster to Santa Fe, then on a cattle drive to Bozeman, Montana. He also rides shotgun on a stagecoach. He travels with a wagon train, and on his two-year journey, he meets some famous people and keeps a journal of his adventures. The book contains a lot of the true stories from my podcast and is now available on Amazon. Visit my webpage for a link to Amazon for the book, Coal Miner to Cowboy.
1: Right now, here is Dr. History.
0: Good morning, Zeb.
1: How are you today? I am peachy wonderful, and you're on the phone, and I don't like it, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. As long as you can hear me okay, we're all right.
1: Absolutely. Go ahead.
0: So, have you ever heard of a man named Ezra Meeker?
1: You know, I have. I have, but I don't know why.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to tell you his story. So Ezra Meeker was born December 29th, 1830 in a log cabin, uh, on the family farm near Huntsville, Ohio. Now on May 13th, 1851, Ezra Meeker married his neighbor, Eliza Jane, and he split 300 rails for the minister instead of paying him his fee. Mm. So he really wanted to get married, I guess. I
1: guess, yeah. But
0: they had, yeah, they had six kids. And Meeker claimed that he never had a sick day during his entire 58-year marriage. He he was never sick. So young Ezra and Eliza, his wife, spent a really cold winter, 1851-1852, on a rented farm near Eddyville, Iowa. I have no idea where that is. And that was in the April of 1852. They loaded a covered wagon and joined... The more than 50,000 people that made up the 1852 immigration to Oregon Territory. Mm-hmm. And Eliza, his wife, gave birth to a son just seven weeks before they left. So here they are with these kids and her with a newborn baby heading out to Oregon. Wow. Now, Meeker, Meeker attributed his successful trip to his wife's excellent planning and cooking skills. And here's what he said. He said, uh, Eliza had prepared the homemade yeast cake, which she knew so well how to make and dry, and we had light bread to eat all the way across. We baked the bread in a tin reflector instead of the heavy Dutch oven, so much in use on the plains. Mm. Now, I didn't know much about this tin reflector, Way of cooking. Um, I just thought everybody used Dutch ovens.
2: Uh-huh.
0: And then he also he also said we had buttermilk all the way across, which was a real luxury because they could make all kinds of things with buttermilk. Because he said, unlike a lot of the immigrants, they had a cow that gave milk the entire journey all the way to Oregon.
1: Oh my goodness. So,
0: you know, a lot of the cows, uh, they dried up on the way over and for course some cows died and some, if the oxen died, they might hurt the cow up to the, with the other oxen. So anyway, despite a lot of the provisions by the time they reached Portland, five months later, Eliza was sick and Ezra had lost 20 pounds and, uh, Ezra had a brother named Oliver. And he got sick, had cholera, which killed a lot of people, you know, on the Oregon Trail.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. That was was a a real killer. But his brother survived. Anyway, Oliver, the brother, and Ezra ran a boarding house in a place called St. Helens. I don't know if that sounds familiar over there in Oregon.
1: I've been to St. 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 Helens. I've been to St. Helens. As a matter of fact, years and years ago, I announced their rodeo when it was professional.
0: So it's a fairly good-sized place now, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, anyway, he worked there as a logger and a longshoreman on the Columbia, and then he filed a homestead claim. Uh, they built a cabin, and in the spring of 1853, the Meeker brothers explored the coastline from Olympia to Port Townsend, uh, which that's up there by uh, Seattle, right? Port Townsend? B- yes, uh-huh. I I believe so. Yeah. Uh, And they settled on an island called McNeil Island. So Joseph Meeker, their father, encouraged uh, Oliver, the brother, and Ezra and Eliza to leave the island and settle on the mainland. And so Meeker moved his young family uh, to a place southeast of Tacoma. (laughs) It's a place called the Swamp Place, Mm. uh, which... (laughs) Gotta tell you a little bit about what it was like, but during the Yakima Indian War of 1865, they also moved to a place called Delacum. And I think that must be a pretty small place, I
1: guess. I don't know That's that it. place at all.
0: No. So Ezra, his brother Oliver, and another brother Jacob built a blockhouse and opened a general store called J.R. Meeker and Sons. And after gold was discovered on the Fraser River in Canada in 1858, they opened a branch and they made a good profit by selling provisions to all the, the hopeful miners. Well, in 1861, uh, Alder traveled by ship to San Francisco. Now, this is Alder's brother. Right. He traveled to San Francisco with all their savings to buy stock for their stores. On the return trip, his ship the northerner banked off the coast of California, poor Oliver drowned, and all the goods he bought were lost. So that left the Meeker brothers with, you know, sad and with no money. So the farm also was a failure because the soil proved to be too poor for farming. So here they were, no money, no crops, So not in a, in a very good situation. Now, in 1862, Ezra and Eliza moved with their four children to the, and you got to help me with this, the Puyallup Valley.
1: Does that sound right? I, I'm having a hard time uh, with your phone this morning, and I, I didn't hear, uh, say the pronunciation of the valley again.
0: It's called Puyallup, P-U-Y-A-L-L-U.
1: Puyallup, Puyallup. Puyallup. Right.
0: Okay, the Puyallup Valley. So they took over a small cabin that had been abandoned in 1865. Meeker and his father planted hops from some shoots they'd gotten, and they grew really well. And so, in the how'd you say that? Biola.
1: Piala Piala? Piala Valley. There you go.
0: Was ideal for cultivating hops and vines, and the hops, of course, dried and they're used to flavor beer. So they had a really successful business, and he actually was so uh, successful, he established a branch office in London to sell hops on the world market. Oh, my. And from 1884 to 1887, the Meekers actually spent four months a year in London. And in 1885, Eliza, his wife, was actually presented at court to Queen Victoria. Oh, my. They were, you know, what well-known and doing very well. Well, that came to an end in 1892, a plague of what they call hop lice struck the Pacific coast. Well, it ruined the crops and he sold his uh, crop for just a fraction of the price. And he later wrote, quote, all my accumulations were swept away and I quit the business or rather the business quit me. Mm. Um, so anyway, he he ran a mercantile business. I'm going to move along here because I, uh, I want to get to the most important part. Um, he actually wrote a pamphlet called The Washington Territory uh, West of the Cascades. And uh, he had uh, different uh, flower varieties that he traveled uh, to San Francisco uh, to show in and, and, and the let me get to the best part, so I know we're running out of time here. Uh, he actually, by the way, went to Alaska, opened up a store in Dawson, filed a mining claim, mm-hmm. and despite all that, uh, he didn't make any money. <laughs> so, uh, in 1906, at the age of 76, Ezra Meeker began retracing his 1852 Oregon Trail journey. This time heading east. Now his aim was to identify the trail's exact route, which had kind of become obscured over a passage of time. Right. And he wanted to place historical markers along the route. Uh, and as we mentioned, you know, during the 1870s, there was uh, thousands and thousands of people that went across there from 1840 to 1870. So, during those years, more than half a million people did uh, went to Oregon City, Oregon.
2: Now, uh,
0: by now, he's 76 years old. Ezra Meeker and his prairie schooner were front-page uh, news. He had photographs taken, and a lot of them were printed on postcards, and he sold to fund his travels. So, here he is, 76 years old, and he's going the opposite direction on the Oregon Trail with a covered wagon and oxen. Are you still
1: there? Yeah, I'm listening. I'm fascinated uh, to think that he was basically kind of a wrong way Corrigan. Uh, We did have a beep that there was a call waiting on the line, and I'm going to try to take that call. Caller, I'm only going to give you about 15 seconds because we're running late. If you're still there, go ahead quickly with your comment.
0: My comment was that we shouldn't repeat history. Today's an election day. Get our behinds out there
1: and vote. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and it really, it must okay. have been kind of interesting and disconcerting to some going on the Oregon Trail, going to Oregon to see a guy coming back saying, I'm headed east. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. So this was in 1906, though. So <laughs> pretty much the traffic headed west was done. But in 1906, he continued not just to independence, but he continued on to the East Coast. Uh, his oxen and wagon actually stopped traffic on when he crossed the Brooklyn Bridge. He made his way through lower Manhattan for the New York Stock Exchange. And in Washington, D.C., he parked his outfit in front of the White House on Pennsylvania Avenue. Oh, my. And he stood there and talked with President Theodore Roosevelt. Oh my. Now uh, he had yeah, so he had a lot of newspaper coverage and he wanted to keep the Oregon Trail in the public eye because it was it was an important historical event. Now, uh his first trip took two and a half years. Mm. But he made four official trail promoting trips. The first one lasted from January nineteen oh six the June of 1908. So two and a half years it took him. Wow. The return trip, uh, they put him on a train, and he went back to Oregon. Well, he made a second trip in 1910 to 1912, and that took two and a half years. And over the course of his two wagon journeys, Meeker placed 150 markers along the trail. And a lot of times he found local subscribers, you know, historical societies, that helped him out along the way. Well, he made his third trip in May of 18, uh, 1916 to September 1916. But this time it only took him four months because this time going east to west, he had a thing, uh, a touring car called the Pathfinder that had a wagon like canvas on top of it. Mm-hmm. So, can you picture this a car in 1916? that had a covered wagon top on it. Oh, my. And he used this third trip primarily to lecture on the need for uh, and the military value of a national highway. He actually met with President Woodrow Wilson and talked about the importance of having a national highway, like we do t- today, you know, the interstate freeway system. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, in October of 1924, he flew over a part of the uh, uh, Oregon Trail in a single-engine airplane. Uh, you know, when he was riding across, he only made, like, uh, two miles an hour, but now he's in an airplane ride going 100 miles an hour. But in 1925 and 1926, Meeker appeared with the C.J. Miller Wild West Shows. Uh, have you ever heard of that, Wild West Shows? There? Not
1: that one in particular. No, I have not.
0: Yeah. Well, he was demonstrating the proper way to drive an ox team, (laughs) and C.J. Miller was the largest Wild West show at that time. And Meeker was described as, quote, the only living person who crossed the Oregon Trail as an adult and who, at the age of 95, crossed the continent again in an airplane. So here he is, 95 years old. Well, in April of 1926, Meeker was then staying in New York, and he founded and became president of the Oregon Trail Memorial Association. He once again went to Washington, D.C. to lobby Congress to create a special Oregon Trail coin. Now, the coin was a 50-cent piece that is sold for a dollar with the profit going toward paying for more trail monuments. Hmm. And they actually passed that and I guess there's some of those coins out there. Um, They'd probably be pretty rare, but uh, I suppose those coins are out there uh, in collectors uh, for collectors. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Well, in the summer of 1928, Meeker got sick while visiting Henry Ford in Detroit, and Ford had made Meeker a special vehicle he called the Oxmobile.
2: (laughs) And this was an
0: automobile chassis hit it with a covered wagon top. Oh, my. And Meeker had been planning yet another trail journey, but he spent several months in the uh, Ford Hospital and then was loaded onto a Tollman car for a three-day trip home by rail. Ezra Meeker died on December third, 1928 in Seattle. He was 27 days shy of his 98th birthday. Wow. So, that's kind of the story of Ezra Meeker, and, you know, he actually back then had become a household name throughout the whole country during his final 20 years of his life, because he was kind of, he's called a self-appointed spokesman for the men and the women who walked that Oregon Trail, and for the dead that are buried along that whole trail that, you know, I understand there, there are people out there, certain organizations that are... Searching for, uh, buried, you know, people that were buried with no markers, uh, right. So they're trying to find some of those, uh, those bodies, those bones. And, and I suppose with DNA the way it is now, uh, they could probably trace some of those, uh, the remains to people that are alive today.
1: I'll tell you what, there's
0: uh, Ezra was, he was finally buried. Beside his wife in Puyola Woodbine Cemetery. And in 1939, the Oregon Trail Memorial Association erected a marker engraved with a covered wagon drawn by two oxen uh, there at their
1: gravesite. Oh, my goodness. So
0: that's the story of Ezra Meeker.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, that is one that I have not heard before. That is one that I've really enjoyed. Uh, and for your, uh, uh, help next week and education on our class, we're going to say Piala, Piala, Piala. (laughs) Well,
0: you know, my pronunciations have not always been exactly, especially when it comes to speaking Spanish or French or
1: whatever. Hey, I got a question for you real quick, a short answer on this about Meeker. Did he in his travails come right through this area of Burley, Magic Valley, Twin Falls, etc.? Yes,
0: he did, because he was right along the Oregon Trail, which, uh, you know, right along here, uh, the Oregon Trail was on the south side of the river, right uh, over by Milner and out towards Raft River, over to Fort Hall. Uh, over to Fort Bridger and on, you know, through Wyoming and all the way to Independence. Uh, Like I said in the story, uh, he didn't stop at Independence, which is where the Oregon Trail began. He continued all the way over to the East Coast.
1: My goodness. Yeah. I I, I wonder.
0: He went right across here.
1: I wonder if there's any memorabilia, any old photographs or anything of him in this respective area that are in our local museums.
0: You know, that's a great question. I think uh, I'm going to check that out maybe at our local Burley uh, Cashew County Museum and see if there might be some newspaper articles or something, because he did get a lot of press coverage when he was doing that.
1: Dr. History, you did it again. Great job. Next week, we'll see you right here in the studio, and I want to thank you for a job well done. Thank you, my dear friend. You have a good day, Seth. All right, buddy.